0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we're doing this series, Living for the Future Now. And
1: I think it's very appropriate that we do this series because I hear a lot of folks, usually as I interact, a week doesn't go by, that somebody will make a comment to me because of the chaos in our world. And I'm not just talking about political chaos. We've got that. But when they look around the world and they see all the disturbances and they hear reports of persecutions and and people dying for their faith and then they see the natural disasters that are taking place, More than likely, sooner or later, you'll hear someone say, he's coming, or we're in the midst of the tribulation. And they're like, ready. And I've met some that kind of like have an easy chair mentality. What do you mean? Well, I like watching movies, and sometimes we'll watch movies as a family, and and we'll make a pizza at the house or we'll, we'll order a pizza, and so everybody will be in in our living room, and and I have my chair, and and uh, you know the, you got the you got the surround sound going, you have got the movie going, and you're just kind of like just sitting there, ease back, waiting for the show, right? Or if you're at the movie theater, you got your big popcorn there and your big drink and you're just ready for the show. And I think a lot of Christians have that mentality. It's like, oh yeah, the end's coming. We just need to kick back and enjoy. That's actually not what Jesus wants us to do. He wants you to understand what's coming, but he wants that to impact how you're living now. Because there's a reason. And so for the last three weeks, we've looked at to be honest with you, what he was saying about what's going on and what's coming. What do you mean? Remember week one? Looked at the first part, that everything that's happening right now, the wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, famines, all of these terrible things, that's not the end. But they're just the beginning of the end. They're the birth pangs. They're the warning signs of what's coming. Then he also pointed out that the things that we're going through right now, that's what we looked at in the second message, the things that we're going through right now where people don't like your Christianity, people don't like your Jesus, people don't like your faith, people mock you because you're a person of faith. That's all part of what happens right now. And that there are these false teachers, these false people coming along and spreading lies about Jesus. That's all part of right now. And then he goes on from there and he says, but there's coming a future short period of time where judgment will fall on this world and then Jesus will come back. That's what we looked at the last three weeks. Now, when you, when you think about what I just said, if you were here for the messages or if you read the passage or you're just listening to me right now, it's only natural for you to, to have this thought go through your mind. Yeah, sure, George. How do you know? How can you know? Are you for real? Is Jesus for real? Are you sure about that? It's only natural for that to happen. It's only natural for the doubt to take place in your mind and to say, yeah, sure. The things we're seeing right now have always been happening, George. And who can tell the future So Jesus said something. Well, I think Jesus anticipated that from those who were listening to him, those who would read this. Because he comes up to verse 32, and he's going to give an assessment of his teaching. He's going to give an assessment of what he is saying and what's going to take place. He's going to give an assessment of how you should understand what he's saying, and he's going to tell us how people are going to react. And how they're going to be caught off guard. So I think today, he's kind of directing us to your response. See, that's really what the rest of chapter 24 and chapter 25 are about. They're not about the events. They're about your response. How it's affecting you to know this. Did you understand what I'm saying? How it's affecting you. And it should affect you. It's not, let's kick back and, oh, that's interesting, George. No, it it should motivate you how you live your life and what you're doing with your life. And that's what the next few weeks are going to be about. And we're going to start today with what he's saying. So I want you to look with me. We're going to look at Matthew 24. We're going to look at verse 32 to 44. And then we're going to break it down for ourselves as we look at this passage. Let's look and hear what he says. Here's what Jesus says. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were so, also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in a field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known the hour the thief would have come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. All right, so here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take this passage. This passage actually can be broken into two parts. We're going to look, first of all, at verse 32 to 35. We're going to see that what he's saying is guaranteed. Then we're going to look and see that he changes then to discuss something that you and I need to be aware of in verses 36 to 44. He's going to talk about that it was not expected. It's not expected what's coming. People aren't ready for it. And he gives an illustration from history to tell us that. So let's talk about it's guaranteed. Start off first. Verse 32 Learn this parable from the fig tree. What's he talking about, a fig tree? Well, he's pointing to nature. And in Palestine there, in Israel, it is very common to have fig trees. And when a fig tree starts, it starts, it just starts by bearing leaves. Sometimes a little fruit, that's the initial thing, but primarily first, leaves, leaves. And so he's saying that when you see the leaves, you know that summer is coming. We have little statements like that, right? You know, little statements like that? What do you mean? Like around here, you ever heard this statement, knee high by the 4th of July? You ever heard that? What's that talking about? The corn. So statements like that tell us that we know the future is happening. So here's what I want you to see first thing. As in nature, there are signs that point to what is coming. This is what he's referring to. Just like with the parable of the fig tree, you know that certain things are going to happen because of the signs. Same thing here. You know that as you see these signs, what is he talking about? The wars, the pestilence, the famines, the beginning of the birth pangs. When you see that, you see the false prophets saying that they're Jesus and they're teaching lies about Jesus. When you see that, You know that it's coming. He's also referring to the fact that he just told them when they looked at the temple, not one stone will be left upon another. He's referring back to that as well. You know that this is pointing to something. Why? Because he said it was going to happen like this. And it's coming. It's coming. You know what? In fact, folks, I'll be honest with you. When you understand the Scripture and you know just what he's talking about here in Matthew 24 and 25, and when you know what he's talking about in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and when you know what he's talking about in Revelation, or you know what he's talking about in Daniel chapter 7 through chapter 12, when you know what Ezekiel says, and when you know what Isaiah says, you begin to look at the signs that are happening around you, and you begin to think, oh, so they're talking about the temple mount, and they're talking about wanting to rebuild a temple, oh, That's all a sign, isn't it? That's all pointing to what, folks? Jesus coming back. So he's saying, look, it is guaranteed what I'm saying, Jesus is saying, because you see the signs already, just like with the fig tree. Learn from the fig tree. It's coming. Somebody would say, well, yeah, really. I've seen the woolly worm, and I was told that if it's all black, it's going to be a terrible winter, and it wasn't. Yeah, George, really, that's an old wise tale. How do you know? Well, that's what Jesus comes and tells us the second thing here. Look at what he says. Verse 34. Assuredly, I say to you that this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Two more things I want you to see here. First of all, Those who are listening will experience the signs that point to the end. That phrase, generation, that's thrown some people off. That's why they think these things have already taken place. There's no way possible that they could have taken place because they feel like Jesus is just talking to the generation that heard him. Well, yes, that could be taken that way, but the words that are used in the original languages could also mean it's a phrase that's used to refer to those who are listening and reading, and the reality is is that even our generation are seeing what? The fulfillment of these things. We're not seeing the tribulation, George. No, no, that's not what he's referring to here. He's referring back to what? The birth pangs. The child pains. The things, what? The wars, the famine, the pestilence, the suffering that Christians endure right now. We're seeing that, right? You're witnessing that. That's what he's saying here. Those who are listening will experience the signs of the end. Gives you perspective. And then finally he says this. Just so you understand that this is going to happen, he said, because it's my word. Here's the final point I want you to see in this section. Jesus affirms that his words are what? Unchanging, true, and certain. Unchanging, true, and And certain. You know, we we operate with an understanding about word, right? We don't we don't understand because we're in this culture now where we gotta write everything in a contract. But some of you who are older know know this phrase that we used to look at people and we would say to him, He gave me his word and he's what? True to his word. And if he said he's gonna do it, he'll what? Do it. We've met people like that. You can remember years ago when we when a handshake meant what? It was going to happen. Now, we don't operate that way anymore because people are holding two fingers behind their back right when they're shaking your hand. But it's the same thing. Jesus is saying, look, you don't want to accept the fig tree illustration? Fine. I'm telling you right now, my word doesn't change. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain. You know it's going to happen because I said it's going to happen. How can we trust Jesus? How can we be sure that what he said is true, George? How can we trust him to know for sure that this is going to take place? Well, there was one other thing that Jesus told his disciples that was going to take place. Anybody have a clue what that was? I'll help you. They didn't want to believe him. All along he told them, I'm going to die. I'm going to be given over to the Gentiles. And I'm going to be killed and on the third day I'm going to what? Rise. Now he said that many times before he was killed and before he rose again. In fact, remember, remember Peter was saying, No, no, you can't do this. And Jesus said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Yeah, he told them. And guess what? Did it happen? Yeah. He was killed, and on the third day, he what, folks? He rose again. He's alive, right? Do you think everything that Jesus said, I'm going to pay attention to now? You think his word is valid? You better believe it. That's what he's saying here. My word is certain. It's true and unchanging. The world will pass away, but my word will always stand. That's what he's saying here. It's guaranteed. You say, what has that got to do with you and I? Well, I think the issue is now... What do you do with it? What do you do with knowing this information? You know what I'm saying? Knowing this information. Because you and I, we're inundated with information all the time. Information all the time. We're constantly bombarded. More than any other generation in the world, we are constantly bombarded with things that we just tuck away and put in the back of our mind that is just trivial information. Like we're waiting to have a master... We're all waiting to get on Jeopardy, right? Because we got all that information. It's interesting. 200 years ago, people probably didn't know more than what's in a newspaper today, as far as information, and other than what's going on around them. Today, we know everything, even as it happens. And so we file it away. You and I file away information every day. Trivial, stupid stuff. We just file it away. We'll never do anything with it, because it doesn't affect us. Well, I need you to understand Jesus is trying to tell us that this information is not the information you file away. You gotta do something with it. Because, folks, when it happens, it's not going to be expected. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to see five things here coming out of this passage. Okay, let's start with the first one. Look at verse thirty six. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. Look, I need to tell you something. Can you, can you, uh, can you grasp this point? I, I've watched through the years, and I've been a believer now f- since 1985. So I've watched for the last 34 years, people get deceived. What do you mean, George? Well, I've watched through the years, people believe somebody who comes on the radio or who writes a book and says that Jesus is going to come back. Did you know Jesus was supposed to come back in 1984? Did you know Jesus was supposed to come back in 1988? 88 reasons why the Lord will come back in 1988. I have that book downstairs in my bookshelf. It was followed up by the next great bestseller, 89 Reasons Why He'll Come in 89. 2012, he was supposed to come back. We even had with that, if you don't believe Jesus, you can believe the Mayan calendar. We're in 2019. 2019. Somebody is predicting all the time that Jesus is coming back soon. Here's what Jesus is telling you in this passage. It's not going to be expected. Here's why. Number one, only God the Father knows the exact timing of all things. Jesus is saying, I don't even know the exact timing. Only God the Father knows. Look, I don't care if you're a NASA scientist, that was the guy who wrote the 88 Reasons books. It doesn't matter. Only one person knows when the end is going to come. And he isn't a human being. It's God. How do you know that, George? Well, here's interesting. It's it's very interesting. If you go over to Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. Let me read you these verses. This is in the throne room of heaven. This is right before... John sees the revelation of the end taking place in the events of the end times. He's in the throne room of heaven, and this scene is there, chapter 5 is there, to help you to understand who is the one who starts the end of time. It's God. Listen to what he says. And I saw in the right hand of him who sits on the throne a scroll written on the inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven and on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And you say what what boy, what, boy that's a lot of illustrious language there what's going on here? Well the scroll with the seven seals is the scroll of judgment upon this world, and it's the what will take place in the future. We already referred to it as that short period of time here in Matthew twenty four. And who is the one who has it? The one who sits on the throne, Father. Who's who's that? God the Father. And at some point in the future, he's going to have this scroll and they're going to say, who is worthy to open it? And there's only one. There's only one person that can bring about the end. Who is it? The Lamb. Who's the Lamb, folks? Jesus. And even then, the Lamb is only able to open the scroll because somebody gives it to him. Who? God, the Father. Do you you understand what I'm saying? Jesus is right out telling you right now, these things, only one person knows when it's going to take place. God, the Father. Here's the second thing I want you to notice with me now. Look with me. Verse 37 to 39. It's very interesting what he says about when this takes place. But as in the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Here's this next thing I want you to see. When the end comes, the course of life will be going on as usual. He brings up an interesting thing. He says, you know, When Noah happened and the flood, life went on just as usual. That day when the floods came, people were getting married. People were having fun. People went on about their lives. He said, it's just going to be like that when Jesus comes. Why? Because nobody's expecting it. Well, you say, well, you know, come on, George. <laughs> How would the people in Noah's day know? Well, the scripture says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And it took him 40 years to build a boat where they never had to use one before. Wouldn't that grab your attention? Noah, why are you building that ark? It's going to flood. Really? Really? You think he was telling them why? Yeah. Do you think they were hearing why? Yeah. It's like today, folks. If the end were to come tomorrow, is it because people haven't heard that the end is coming? No, they heard, and they continue to hear. Is it changing the way they live their lives? No. People are going on about their normal lives all the time, right? This is what he's saying. Life will go on as usual when the end comes. They're not expecting it. In fact, he goes on. Here's my third point. I was going to give it to you a little earlier. Just as in the days of Noah, everyone will be caught by surprise. They'll be caught by surprise. You know, that's even going to be true for you and I. What do you mean? When God comes back in the rapture to take the church, do you know when that is? Anybody know when the rapture is going to take place? No, we don't know. We know it's going to take place before this seven-year period of judgment, but we know that God's going to take place. But we're called to be ready for it. We're called to watch for it and to be ready for Jesus to come and get us, right? But I'm going to be honest with you. Some of us are actually not going to be looking for it. We're going to be caught by what? Surprise. that They weren't expecting. As in the days of Noah, they were not. Everyone was caught by surprise by what's happening. It's not like we don't know it's coming. Right? That's the point he's making here. In fact, he's going to be making that point for the rest of this chapter and into 25 about living our lives ready for him to come back. Ready. That's what this whole emphasis is here, about being ready. He then goes on, verse 40 and 41. And this is a passage that has caused some people to wonder well, maybe it's a partial rapture thing. Well, that's not what he's not talking about the rapture in this passage. He's talking about when Jesus comes back. He's talking about judgment. Here's the point. Let me read the verse to you, first of all. Look with me, verse 40. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken and the other left. Two men will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Well, it sounds like one person's left behind and one person's going to be taken away. Yes. But that's not what the word taken is here. What do you mean? It says take well, yeah, let's go back a couple of verses and you'll understand. The Greek word is a pre- Greek language is a precise language. Words have meanings more than we use in our English language, but I want you to go back. Look at what it says. Verse 39. And did not know until the flood came and took them all. Same words used about the one being in the field and being taken. It's a term of judgment. Here's the point I want you to see. When the end comes many will be taken in judgment. Why? Because they're not ready. They haven't been ready. They've been rebelling against God. When the end comes, that's it. They will be taken in judgment. That's what he's saying here. You need to understand that. That needs to affect you and I. And then finally, look with me at verse 42 through 44. Watch, therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken in. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Here's the final point I want you to see. Because the end is coming... At some point, you need to watch and be ready. You need to be watching and be ready. What do you mean, be ready, George? Do we need to have a bunker filled with water and canned food, Spam, sardines, Vienna sausages? No, no, that's for people living in Montana. That's not what he's talking about. Here's what he's saying. Be ready with your life. You watch. Is this the day? You get up in the morning and you say, Lord, is this the day when you're coming for me? Is this the day? And then you live your life like you know your mama's coming back at one o'clock. Or sooner. You live ready. So that you're not... Caught by surprise. In fact, that's the point that Jesus is going to be making in the next several parables that he tells in this passage. Being ready and what happens to those who
0: aren't. Who aren't. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. this coming week.